Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here. Welcome to another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm so pleased today to have with me Amy St. Hilaire. Amy St. Hilaire is dedicated to getting radiant souls back into their full power. Through the use of mind and body neuro tools, her work upgrades brains to be wired for happiness and success. Amy has her master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University, and she's been helping people reclaim their innate healing power for the past 22 years as a mindset transformation coach and a holistic licensed marriage and family therapist using proven energy psychology methods that go far beyond talk therapy. Amy is the founder of Mind Body Healing University, which is dedicated to putting healing into people's own hands with simple tools that lay people and healers of any kind can use anytime, anywhere. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited to have you because I think some of the stuff you've been doing with your work is really, really amazing. And I know from years of doing energy psychology how powerful this work can be. So I can't wait to delve into that. But first, let's hear a little bit about you, your story, how you came to even discover these tools and do this kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was reading a book recently by Russell Brunson, and uh, he's the founder of ClickFunnels. And he said, a lot of times people's mess becomes their message. And so in other words, what they figure out you know, in their life through their own mess, they want to share with people, right? And they're like, okay, I got to share with people, you know, for me, it could be how to heal fibromyalgia, because that's something I did many years ago. So um, my story, my mess was that I had like any, like lots of people, various traumas and other things. Um, and I went to get my master's in clinical psych at Pepperdine. And of course, being a good student, they recommended going and getting therapy yourself right? Uh, so I did that for many years and I love my therapist and we did some very good work together. She helped me get through a divorce at a young age, at like 26. And, um, but the thing is this, I had wonderful awareness and insight on childhood trauma and other things like that, but I still, my body was wrapped with pain of fibromyalgia, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, and a low grade or worse depression that went with that because it's really hard to feel upbeat when you're in pain and feel like you have a Mack truck sitting on your chest, right? That's how I used to describe it. So lo and behold, a friend, any big thing in my life that's especially related to my career propelled me forward and you know, blown my mind has been when someone has said, hey, you wanna do this? And I was like, sure, you know, like, oh, sounds good. So I went to a training uh, for tapping, EFT, and mine was blown. And within the first three hours of that training at lunchtime, I tapped on something and I looked at my friend. I said, I'm going to heal my fibromyalgia. And I knew it in here. I wasn't like hopeful, maybe, I don't know. And maybe that had never even crossed my mind because still to this day, doctors and 
any Google search you do says there's no known cause and therefore there's no known cure. You can just treat symptoms, do body work, you know, use medications, things like that. But I just said to my friend, I'm going to heal my fibromyalgia. And she said, oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. So I use tapping and I always, I give new clients because, you know, I see individual clients. I give them the assignment, if you will, or, or the invitation. I say, tap once a day for two weeks. See what happens in your life. Tap on whatever's up for you, whatever's bothering you, right? Now, strangely enough, people don't usually take me up on that, but I essentially was tapping multiple times a day because as an Enneagram 4, and if people want to look up the Enneagram, it's a personality system. That's The wisdom's been around since the 13th or 14th century. And my particular personality type as the Enneagram 4 is the tragic romantic. And we create trauma and drama out of very little. So I was like this, up and down in my moods and, and all of that. Um, and so when I found tapping, to be able to go from being upset about probably nearly nothing to calm, cool, collected, you know how that is when you tap, right? And to, to have a state shift so quickly within minutes of using these tools to communicate with my central nervous system to calm my body and get my left brain logic online, it was absolutely life-changing. So I was tapping so much, I think I was a little sore here, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, why don't people do this? But for me, it was just amazing. So that was my first intro to energy psychology. And um, we said, well, let's find, is there a conference? Is there a convention? Is there another training we can go to? So we went to the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology's annual conference. The next, you know, eight months later, I'd just been licensed as a marriage and family therapy. So I started using tapping with clients and I got results that were unbelievable. I felt so much more well-equipped, you know, as a young therapist, I don't know about you, but um, I didn't have a lot of tools. You know, I didn't have a lot of specific tools to use with clients. I was very well-versed in theory. Um, uh, but as far as tools, I didn't have much. So I started using tapping with clients and things are just popping for them. They're feeling empowered. I'm feeling like a you know more skilled therapist, even though I'm just starting out. So we go to the conference and my friend says, you wanna to go to this training for healing from the body level up? We call it HBLU, healing from the body level up. And I said, read the description, one little paragraph. I said, sounds good, I'll get some CEUs. So she's like, okay, let's go. Well, in that training, Judith Swack, the method developer, blew my mind again right? My mind was blown. I saw her heal someone's, help someone heal their birth trauma when they were born the day JFK was assassinated. And the mom who already had five or six children didn't particularly welcome this child with a lot of joy and enthusiasm. So that set in place, you know, her goal was heal my lifelong depression. And by the end of about 45 minutes of healing this trauma with a very specific protocol and we can go more into a little bit about trauma work if you want. I, 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 I was like, this is the way I'm practicing forever. This is unbelievable. You showed us what goes into trauma. We know how to figure out if that person is still carrying that emotion or belief. And then you gave us 10 tools to know how to clear this stuff out, like tapping and other things. So long story short, longer story longer, um, I started using all these tools and my fibromyalgia resolved. Old 
mental and emotional and spiritual pain was just stuck in my body. So although I had all this wonderful talk therapy and it was truly incredibly helpful and a wonderful experience, all that pain was stuck in the body. And it was sort of like the body was left holding the bag. My brain was off the hook, right? My brain was clear and all that. And I, I wouldn't start crying if I thought about my history, but my body was aching in pain. So to be able to heal my fibromyalgia and get my life back and go on to get married again and have children, things I never thought I would do because I was such a mess, right? Of course, you clear out the stuff you don't need. You can just be and do and act more who you want to be and be that radiant soul you want to be. So that's a little bit about how I came to it and or a lot of it, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I love hearing your story and it's so true. It's so amazing. Everyone who I interview for this podcast has a personal history of their own pain and suffering. And when they were seeking for how to heal themselves, they stumble upon these different approaches. And I really want to highlight, like for me uh, and for all of the clients I've been working with this last 20 plus years, it really, it's so clear to me how you need to have holistic approaches that... <laughs> Talking to people alone does not uh, resolve these issues because it isn't just a mind thing and it isn't just a body thing. You know, people think if I have a medical condition like fibromyalgia, I just need to find the right doctor and the right medicine and then I'll be okay. But it's not like that. It's mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that holistic piece and how important that is? Absolutely. So I often, when I'm giving trainings uh, or just workshops with lay people, I say, now, have you ever been upset? Maybe really stressed about something, maybe a presentation you're going to give. Maybe you feel sick to your stomach. Maybe you're a little nervous, you're sweating. You're like, okay, okay, okay. And you're looking in the mirror and you're like, calm down. You got this. Or your spouse or a good friend is there with you. And they're like, hon, you're going to do fine. You always knock it out of the park. You over-prepare. You're fine. Now, here you are, you feel all that negative emotional charge, that stress in the body. And you say this to yourself, sort of positive self-talk, or your spouse or friend says something positive and logical to you, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Hey, you don't need to be stressed. News of the contrary, right? Like all these times you've given presentations, you end up doing well. I hear it. My conscious mind hears it, unless I'm in full panic, then literally I may not even hear what they're saying. Like it has no place to land. If my body's freaking out enough, my brain, I don't automatically hear that here and go, oh, whew. oh my God, you're right. Oh my God, you're right. Ah, oh, silly. I feel so calm and peaceful now. Right. And everyone goes, oh yeah, no, that doesn't happen. You can't top down healing. You can't convince your body to get out of the fight or flight reflex. If that was the case, I don't think any of us would have any issues ever. <laughs> right? Because yeah. at some point we've had a reassuring person say something to us. We've read a book. We've told ourselves something. We've learned about positive self-talk or affirmations, but those are largely top down. So I say, if you do something like tapping, and people out there, I'm sure you know from this podcast, there are so many energy psychology methods, okay, and holistic mind-body methods out there. But tapping is one that a lot of people know. It's the first thing I learned, and I still say it heals about 80% of anything, you know? So when in doubt, just grab your face. But I always say to people two things. I say, the mind wants to be clear and present in, in the present. 
It doesn't want to be pulled out into the future with fear because fear will do that. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if COVID never ends? And it doesn't want to be pulled into the past with bad memories, trauma, triggers, flashbacks, intrusive thoughts, right? No one likes that. So if we communicated, you know, if we interviewed the brain directly as an organ, it would say, no, I like to feel like calm and present. I don't like to be in the fight or flight reflex. I don't like to be in a state of negative emotional charge. I don't like to talk negatively, but life happens and we go into these loops. So that's the first piece. The brain likes to feel and be present. The second piece is the body also wants to feel well. If I interview my knee and the knee could speak and I said, hey, do you like to be in pain, stiff, achy, and arthritic? It would be like, God, no. I want to get you around well in the world so you can be your radiant soul out expressing yourself and I'm your vehicle on earth as your body. I want to do a good job for you because bodies actually carry emotions. And if they're not doing a good job, sometimes we find they're ashamed. I'm not a good house for your soul. So the body wants to do well, uh, feel well. And I say, if that's not the case, if your brain is pulled into the future or into the past, if you're feeling nervous or anxious, if you're feeling sad and depressed, if you have something like fibromyalgia and your body's just aching all over, all it means is one little thing. It means something needs healing. That's it. Something needs attending to. And so, and since you can't top down it, you better find a mind-body tool, which there's many out there, to communicate with your body in a way the body understands. So if I'm trying to calm down before presentation and I say, it's going to be okay. And I don't buy it. I go, okay, let me tap. I can just think about how I feel. I can feel my rapid heart rate. I can think about what I'm nervous about and I can massage even or tap these points that we get to anyhow when we're stressed, we go, Oh my God, this is terrible. I was so embarrassed. I can't believe I said that. Shame. This is real good to release shame. I was so angry at him, right? We do this. These points here at the base of the breast, they help release anger. There's a reason we already do these things. Are you kidding me? That was a revelation to me. There's no woo-woo to this. This is nerve endings. So if you stimulate nerve endings, the one we commonly go to when we're stressed, worried, nervous, or upset, the body basically goes, oh, wait, it does an ecology check. It goes, do we need to be this stressed about this right in this moment? You wake up with a panic attack in the middle of the night because you had a nightmare about a car accident. And in fact, you were in a car accident, maybe rolled down a cliff, uh, as happened to climb my 10 years earlier. You wake up, your spouse says, don't worry, honey, you're safe. Let me hold you. Um, you're safe. It was just, it was just a nightmare. Well, your brain doesn't know the difference, right? What we think that becomes a reality. So the brain just went through this, your unconscious popped it out up as you were sleeping. Your body went into the fight or flight reflex. Talking's not going to calm you down. It's just going to take time, maybe a little deep breathing, but it could be half an hour to, to an hour before you're asleep again. And this might happen a lot and you don't get good sleep. So, but what if we communicated with the body in a way the body understood? This is why you need the holistic mind-body methods. The body doesn't snap to to just mind methods. So you need to communicate with the body and the, the nervous system, you know, nerve endings, central nervous system, ecology check. Um, do we need to be this stressed right now? And as the body's calming down, cause it's like, no, I feel awful. 
so we're stressed and then the calming reflex comes on to override that, right? And then the left brain can be heard, the, the logic, you know, the right brain activity calms down. It's very heightened, as you know, when there's strong emotional negative charge or probably positive charge too. So that comes down and our left brain can come online. So you communicate with the body in the way the body understands the nerve endings say, yeah, we don't need to feel this way. The logic comes on and says, oh, it's just a nightmare. That was 10 years ago. And then the brain's clear and the body comes down right away. Right? So that's just kind of the example I use because. Yeah. It's very easy to understand. That's super helpful. Tell us more about this HBLU, healing from the body level up. What mm -hmm. is that? Mm -hmm. Healing from the body level up is a very comprehensive whole methodology within energy psychology that allows the client's deepest wisdom. We could call it anything, but in this work in HBLU, we call it the deepest wisdom. It allows the client's deepest wisdom to run the whole process. And how we get people connected with their inner compass or their deepest wisdom is we use muscle testing which I say is just a way to ask your body yes, no questions. And on a yes question, the body responds one way. And if something isn't true for the person, it responds another way. So as we ask the deepest wisdom questions, it allows us to basically access what's true for this person, what needs to be healed here through the muscle testing, through the body. And then we use a mind body method to heal and we make sure at the end of healing anything using very specific protocols. So it's step-by-step step and it's replicatable. We can get replicatable results at the end of whatever piece we, we heal using any number of energy psychology techniques underneath the methodology. We test and make sure is this truly healed hundred percent at the conscious unconscious body, soul, etheric, and unknown levels. So we know we've fully resolved that piece, maybe shock on a trauma, maybe sadness, maybe it's my fault because people blame themselves all the time for trauma and loss because in the moment of shock, they try to make sense of what just happened. Oh my God, that miscarriage is my fault because I had soft cheese two weeks ago. Maybe, maybe not. But the problem is the charge on it. Even if that was true, the charge on it is what's eating us up. It just doesn't serve us, right? So uh, healing from the body level up is a methodology to help people set a goal, figure out what's getting in the way from a very specific list of patterns that we know keep people from being in full service and, and being their radiant self. And then we ask the deepest wisdom, what's the priority? Your deepest wisdom just told us you have three traumas interfering your ability to write your book uh, and you have four limiting beliefs, and you have some old family pattern. What do we start with? And their body says, start with a trauma. And then I go, okay, do you have an idea what trauma might be getting in the way of writing your book? And they go, no, I have no idea. Go, okay, no problem. We have your deepest wisdom. Let's play 20 questions. So we say, okay, how old were you when this trauma happened? And they say, uh, 18. And I say, okay, does anything come to mind? And they go, oh God, wow, that's weird. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Now their conscious mind is kind of coming on board. Their unconscious popping something up and they go, oh, this is coming to mind. Like their conscious mind has this awareness that it's odd that they're getting this old memory or information. 
which is what happens when you get that deepest wisdom online. Suddenly, even the most uninsightful people become very insightful. They're like, oh, was it this? Oh, I think it was that. So they go, oh, was it when um, I, I turned in a paper senior year in high school and I got a flat old F on it? And my teacher said, you know, you have no idea how to write, right? Um, is it that? And the body says, yep. The deepest wisdom said, yeah, that's the priority trauma. There's other stuff we've identified around the goal, but that's the priority. So then we go through a very specific set of uh, steps to heal every piece of that. The I'm stupid, limiting belief. The I'm, I, I'm, I look foolish and I'm not credible, right? The shock of what the professor said, the, the moment they, they remember seeing the feedback on the paper, read F, you know, you, you know, you didn't support your arguments and I don't think you understand what you were even supposed to be doing here. Come see me, you know, like the shock of that. And, and the, my client's sitting there and they're going, they're, they're kind of reliving it a little bit. They're like, oh yeah, oh God, that was awful. I'm like, okay, let's get to an intervention. You've lived through this before. We're not going to re-traumatize you. Let's ask your body, what intervention do we use? And they might say, use this neuro-linguistic programming technique. They might say, use tapping. They might say, use uh, tap as acupressure technique, right? These are all things, you know, that are related to or inside of energy psych. And then we heal it. And I always tell people, when we heal what doesn't serve you, when we get that out of your way, you know, just notice what happens now in your life. You will probably do things differently. You will think about things differently and you will feel differently. And those, of course, all go together. So then let's say the next day they sit down to write and and they just sit down to write. Normally, maybe they were distracting around the house and playing with the cat and, and you know, like doing housework. And the next morning, because they've set maybe from nine to 12 every day to write, they sit down and get to writing. And as they're in it, they're like, whoa, oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Woo. And so they come in the next time I go, what'd you notice? Because when you clear out what you don't need, you just, your life gets better. And so it's, it's really interesting too. I tell new clients, I say, listen, we work through each goal you have. We clear out what's getting in the way with very specific recipes or protocols. I don't send you home with homework. I mean, occasionally I do that two week challenge thing, right? With new people when they learn to tap and they have a good experience of it. I say, just, you know, I, I don't send them home with homework. I don't tell them let's role play. I don't tell them let's journal this out and figure out how you're gonna do it and strategize this new way to do this. I say, just notice what happens. Cause you can, you'll just naturally be different. And then your conscious mind will go, Oh, that was cool. That help a little bit? Yeah, totally. And I like that example too with the F uh, from school because people don't realize. I think when you use the word trauma, most people think, oh, like some horrible car accident, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe sexual abuse of some sort. And, and people don't realize that there's also these like little T traumas. Sometimes we say big T traumas okay. and then little T traumas. And people don't realize that those seemingly small kind of, you know, maybe mediocre types of events mm -hmm. actually can have very long-term effects on how we function in the world, how we see ourselves, what we're able to access our own creativity or our confidence or whatever it is can really be impacted by these little T traumas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. 
you bring up a really good point and I forget it because I swim in this, you know, I'm swimming in this pool all the time. Right. And I see how these things have affected me and they affect other people. And exactly. You're totally right. Sometimes when people think trauma, they're like, I don't have any traumas. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, when you come in we'll muscle you know, in my head, I'm like, well, we'll muscle test. We'll find, you know, 1500 traumas kidding. But like all these little things can imprint as traumas and depending on people's upbringing, their resilience, their personality, what you might imprint as a trauma, maybe I don't and vice versa. And it's okay. It's fine. It's just, if we can find it and heal it, it's just, it's so much better. It's, you know, so hopeful and helpful. So yes, little T traumas, my gosh, it could be, oh, we moved, you're eight years old and you move across the same town and you lost the friends on your block. You know, you're not like we moved from, uh, California where it was sunny all the time to Chicago where I'm from where it's cloudy and so cold so much of the time that could more obviously to someone be a trauma you know you lost all your friends and and you didn't fit in at the new school and maybe you know as an adult at eight that was traumatic you would call it traumatic perhaps but what if it was just you moved across town you went to the same school still but you lost all the friends in your neighborhood that can easily imprint as a trauma and people would never think that but like you said you can carry things and they can affect you greatly so sure absolutely you can you can feel a lump right and, and jump to the conclusion oh my god i have cancer just like my aunt trauma it turns out to be nothing no you just imprinted diagnosis shock you're walking around and a part of you thinks oh my god i have cancer and in that moment your brain so so fast goes i have cancer I have to have chemo. I have to tell my friends. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to lose my beauty. I'm going to lose my youth. I'm going to die. And in that moment, you just imprinted how many ever I just said six losses. Now you find either, and one of two things happens in this example, diagnosis shock, I think is someone people don't even think about. In that moment, you lose all these things. And one of two things can happen, probably more things, but the two, two things that come to mind are you might put off going to the doctor because you're so freaked out. You're kind of deer in headlights. Shock, shock freezes people. And they may be so afraid of what they find out that they don't go until maybe they have other symptoms and things are bad and it's much, much more serious than if they had caught it early. So the diagnosis shock can be really, really serious and really sabotage people and be life-threatening even. Or you go and, and you find out it's nothing. No, 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 you just have, you know, whatever. So um, then the, the, the problem is, I use this is a better example. You break your hip, you're 80, you're in great health, you break your hip. How many people say, oh, his health really went downhill when he broke his hip, after he broke his hip? You've heard, you've heard this, right? And like, it's expectable. That's just the way it is. People age and blah. No, when that person broke their hip, maybe they imprinted, I lost my freedom and I lost my health. Now, oh, my bones are brittle. I lost my youth, what was left of it. So now they heal, their hip heals, but they're walking around. I lost my health. I lost my youth. I lost my freedom. So what do you think is going to manifest? Other things to verify that belief. We are always true to our beliefs, no matter if they're negative or positive. So reality better match that I lost my health. And then it does. And people don't realize too that a lot of this stuff is below the realm of your like logical thinking, conscious, cognitive mind. Like this is so much like subconscious, unconscious material 
It's locked in our bodies. We don't even necessarily know it's there. Um, and that's why these techniques are so amazing, especially the muscle testing, because it allows us to access information that this part of our brain doesn't have access to. 100%. Absolutely. And people are usually really shocked to know that something way back then that didn't seem like a big deal is still affecting them today. They're usually and not shocked, like it throws them off terribly, but they're like, what? I didn't know. And I'm like, I know, crazy, right? Let's just heal it. We've got, I always say, we have the technology. So um, you don't even have to tell me all about it. I don't want to re-traumatize you. This is not the cathartic effect. That's where I witness you and I hold space for you and I have tremendous empathy and compassion for you. And that's how you're going to heal because we know that'll just keep it in the body still. Maybe here you'll feel better in the brain. Um, so I say, well, we have the technology, let's heal it. It's obviously still affecting you and we didn't know it is, but now we do. Thank you, deepest wisdom for sharing it. And sometimes we find real whoppers, you know, real big patterns that are like, we can tell they're linchpins. Like when we heal that thing, all this other stuff is going to, right? It's just going to fall away. And, and sometimes, you know, it, obviously this work is not always light and airy, right? The good news is we can move through things and process them quickly. And in a way, maybe that's never been processed so deeply before and so completely. But I, I look at them, I say, okay, but like, this is your lucky day. We just found this and now we can heal it. So let's just do it. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. You know, like there's hope. There's hope. We're going to do this. Awesome. So tell us about some of the other modalities and other work that you do, because you definitely have a diversity, as many of us do. You're not just wedded to one approach. You do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, gosh. Well, I'll just highlight that what I my kind of my pet project right now. OK, um, you know, learning healing from the body level up from Judith Swack, who is actually a Ph.D. immunologist, microbiologist. Okay, she's not trained as a traditional therapist. She's not trained in the psychology realm. She came about this work um, and she had or has a real appreciation for how the brain kind of runs us, the physiological organ in our brain, in our body. And of course, the unconscious also runs us, and that I think of more as the mind. But if we think of the brain, um, Sometimes the brain needs certain support that otherwise will struggle forever, if that makes sense. And I like to think of the brain as like any other organ, you know, if, if your heart is failing or there's something wrong with it, you might need surgery. Maybe you need medication because otherwise you're going to, you know, like have major problems and then you just medicate it. Most people are just like, okay, I got, I got to support my heart. I have to support my pancreas is not producing insulin. Oh my gosh, I don't want to go into a diabetic coma. I don't like medication, but okay. So, you know, sometimes the brain needs direct support as well. So what happened for me is I tend to have up and down moods and this is my whole life. And so during COVID, which we're still in, can you believe um, I was doing real well the first couple months, very productive uh, time. And then come June, I started to get so fatigued. And then within a couple weeks, I was so achy. And what do you think that sounds like? Fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And because, 
usually I have all the tools I need, whether they're supplements or exercises or once, well, a couple times, I had um, gotten really disappointed about something. I just want to share this because it still blows my mind. So I kind of go off a little tangent here, but I got so disappointed about something. I actually blocked off that emotion and then started storing in a storage tank disappointment that can happen. It's called a blocked access to emotions. You get so blown out with one emotion. You're like, I'm not going there again. But the, the, so then you don't process the disappointment. So on two different occasions, and I don't know why I blocked disappointment twice in my life, but okay, on two different occasions, about eight years apart after I'd healed fibromyalgia, I had one case like two weeks and one case like three weeks where I felt achy and stiff and tired. And I was like, what the heck? And then I was like, Amy, just muscle test and ask, is there anything I can do with my tools, my mind, body tools, healing from the body level up? Sure enough, it was like, yes, both times it was like, oh, blocked access. Now I'd had the chronic, you know, three week and two week chronic pain at that point. The minute I healed it using my protocol, gone all aches and pains gone. And then of course, what do you think I asked myself? Why did I wait two and three weeks? <laughs> you know, right? So even, you know, me who's, who does this for a living and believes in it with all my heart and soul and would never be where I am in my life without this, sometimes I even forget, you know? So, so here I am, it's June going into July and now I'm starting to get scared. I'm like, how is it even possible that fibromyalgia is back? Like, it's just really, I'm not coping with the stress of the pandemic and the kids at home and the not being able to travel and be free and not having my same social life and not being able to do hot yoga and the political climate. Like, is that really, that stress is so awful that my resilience is shot? Really? I never settle right? That's why I healed my fibromyalgia. That's why, you know, I, I would imagine that anyone in the field of energy psychology, whether they fell into it or were actively searching for something better, they're sort of the people who don't settle. They're like, there's got to be something better. Let's, what, what can I learn here? Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's me. And for some reason, intuitively, the, the word dopamine popped into my head neurotransmitter. I had taken a supplement years earlier that was helpful because I have some seasonal affective disorder. Come to find out, so I start doing research because that supplement is also not working for me. So that additionally freaked me out, okay? So basically, when I started researching dopamine, I couldn't even believe. I didn't know it was in charge of aches and pains and muscle stiffness. I didn't know it could interrupt sleep. I didn't know it created ADD-like effects and memory and attention and mood issues. I didn't know it could even create reflux if you didn't have enough dopamine and all that was going on for me. And that's a lot of what looks like when you have fibromyalgia, by the way, for listeners out there who have fibromyalgia. And I didn't know that even there was, because I don't know if they knew this when I had fibro 20 years ago, but there was a dopamine fibromyalgia connection. So I was like, okay, I have to supplement differently because this is the crazy thing. When your body isn't producing enough dopamine, dopamine is our motivation neurotransmitter. Serotonin is our feel-good neurotransmitter. So dopamine, you don't have enough of it. You don't feel like doing anything. Now, I have two businesses, and if I don't feel like doing anything, it's not great. I'm not showing up for, for people in the same way. I'm not doing what I need to do uh, for my team and for my businesses. 
And so it really bothers me and this has been my whole life. And so when I saw these symptoms and I realized this isn't just during COVID, this is my whole life when I dip into periods of non-productivity, procrastination, not being able to continue to be consistent with exercise. I wanna be at my best. I wanna be exercising. I wanna be consistent in my morning routine and when I wake up and when I go to bed, but that would just get thrown off. Now I know in the times that my dopamine had dipped. So basically I realized this for myself and then I go, Oh my gosh, the pandemic has set up the perfect storm of the perfect awful conditions to kind of affect everyone's human physical brain, probably in a similar way and drop everyone's dopamine. Yeah. Because as I looked at what you can do to increase dopamine, it's a lot of things that are largely not available to people right now. Some things obviously are, but the social piece and the action piece and the having a structure to your day, how many clients and moms I've worked with who are like, the lack of structure is killing me. And we know if we've treated depression, if we've studied depression, even just, just regular ideas on how to treat depression, structure is very important. Why? Well, when you have structure, you get in gear, you take your shower, you show up at work, you get on the calls, you finish a project. And every time you complete a task, boom, check a box, dopamine release, dopamine release, dopamine release. So if you've got no structure and you're home during COVID and your kids are driving you crazy and you're like, oh, my spouse, I don't need to see you this often. What the heck? We're driving each other nuts. I have no space of my own to work. You can imagine, and then you're getting less done. And then all you want to do is sit on the couch and binge Netflix and eat too much. I mean, the foods we crave when we actually eat them, it does produce a little dopamine. Isn't that interesting? So addictions, very related to dopamine regulation issues, right? You know. Yeah. So uh, basically I started doing workshops, very well attended, interesting. Okay, so this is resonating with people. So I do a free workshop and I'm doing those regularly once or twice a month, they're no cost. And then at the end, you know, and they're very value added. Some people take the information and run with it. And they're like, thank you so much. I'm back exercising. I'm, I'm listening to music again. You know, I'm, I, I realized I need some more, um, you know, tyrosine. That's an amino acid that helps create dopamine. It's a precursor. So, so that in itself is very helpful to people. And it's interactive. And that's nice. Um, and then um, I offer a six-week group called Reclaim Your Happy in Six Weeks. And uh, that's been a really fun group to be running. It's kind of new, but people are enjoying it. They're getting great results. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And so I guess I, I say that I'm kind of a wannabe neuroscientist or, or, you know, like the mad scientist trying to figure out the brain, because I really do appreciate that you can do all the exercise in the world. You can... Um, but then if, if you're prone to low dopamine, and I look at my genetics too, genetics can be a real thing. There's epigenetics where you can maybe take care of yourself in such a way that the predisposition you have to addiction or to Alzheimer's or something doesn't manifest. But if I don't even know my dopamine levels are an issue, and then I look at my mom and my grandfather who had Parkinson's, you know, I go, this is a, this is a genetic issue. I better directly affect it with my brain. And so supplementation is a piece of that too. So, um, you know, would be neuro neurologist here or something. I don't know. So that's one of my other passions.
Well, Amy, thank you so much for being a guest today. You have just provided us a wealth of information and I'm so grateful that you've been here with us today. How can people find out more about your work and your classes and, and all of that? Okay, I'll just share my main website, okay? It's amystanthilaire.com and I'll spell it. It's A-M-Y-S-T-H-I-L-A-I-R-E.com. So there's only one L. People like to put two in there and there's an E on the end of it. So um, that's probably the best way and there'll be direction over to those no-cost workshops there. And uh, that's just too long of a link. You'll probably see that somewhere listed, but I won't say that one verbally. Yeah, we'll put uh, links in the show notes so you guys can have all the information. And please, everyone who's listening and watching, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share with others, like, comment, all of that, so we can really get these tools out into the hands of as many people and professionals who could benefit from this amazing work that creates really, really profound healing I thank you for tuning in, Dr. Adriana Popescu. Thanks again, Amy. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.